Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I typically stand up here, so I'm just going to do a little wave because I'm not used to all of these mics. I appreciate all of you being here. My name is Michelle Redlinger. I am the director of the Washington Chamber of Commerce. We have a new and exciting candidate forum planned for you this evening, and I'm just so excited to see all of your faces and the community come out here to support our candidates as um, they are investing so much time and energy in such a very, very important job. I want to begin the event with some housekeeping details. Um, if you need anything from the restaurant staff, uh, they are open and they are um, in the back. Restrooms are also in the back and around the corner to the left. And, um, and then just a general idea of how our candidate forum works. We have given all of the candidates a list of questions in advance. And we will begin the event by allowing them an opportunity to answer them. Each candidate gets two minutes to answer each question. And then after each question has been answered, we will go back again and see if they would like to add anything. And if so, they have 30 seconds to do that. So the first part of the forum will be with prepared questions. Then we will take a short intermission. During that time, our county auditor, Dan Widmer will give information about voting information, where to vote, um, how to vote, all of that information for you. Also during intermission, we will be collecting any questions that you have from the audience. So we did receive a large number of questions in advance from those who are um, registered for our regular newsletter. And then if you have not done so, uh, we have cards and pens at the entrance of the event center. And at any point during this first section, please write down any questions you have. We will collect them and we will ask as many questions as time allows, looking for questions that are relevant to all of our candidates and uh, those that are most frequently asked for top priority. I also wanna give a couple thank yous. Thank the uh, Lebowski's restaurant and staff for letting us host this event. <laughs> Truth be told, I was expecting a little bit more of an intimate gathering, especially in the second half with the mixer. So it's just great to see this um, a, a packed house. Um, I also want to thank our media partners. We have KCII Radio, and we have the Southeast Iowa Union and their new program, Washington Live. So this event is being streamed live in multiple formats, and then it will also have these recordings available for those of us who are not able to join us. And um, that will be shared in our newsletter. If you do not receive that, please contact me, and we'll make sure that you get those links. But I think right now we have some candidates and who are eager to communicate uh, their, their interests, their goals, their passion here with the community. So we are going to begin here with the first part of our forum. Um, and then uh, I should just probably mention the, the Chamber of Commerce is a nonpartisan organization, and so we are very honored to be able to offer this forum to the community and, um, and excited that each candidate gets a voice, gets respect, and, um, and we are um, 
we're excited to host this event and appreciate your cooperation in this. So with that, um, candidates, when you, when I ask a question here this first time, uh, if you don't mind introducing yourself as well, and then um, and going into the first question. So the first question here is, what do you believe are your qualifications for the office you are seeking? And Heather, if you don't mind starting us off, introduce yourself and... I am Heather Hora, and I farm along with my husband, Kurt, uh, just north of town here. I've got three... Lovely children that help me campaign. Presley is uh, 14, um, Elizabeth's 13, and John is going to be 12. Friday. So, um, first of all, uh, my qualifications, I believe, first of all, I am a Christian. I am a wife, a mother, and the fifth generation owner and operator of a family farming operation. Heather, in the back, we can't hear you. If you don't mind getting close to the microphone, just oh, sir? this ledge. All right. Can you hear me now? Hello? Which, I don't know which one it would be. <laughs> They're all for different things, she said. owner and operator of a family farming operation. All of these things bring different and unique qualities to my ability to best serve the people of District 92. My family knows firsthand the value agriculture brings to our community and our state. We also know firsthand the effect that bad policies, overtaxation, and government overreach can have. We know that what looks good on paper doesn't necessarily work in real life. I served on the Iowa Pork Board for six years I served on the Washington County Pork Board, where I still serve, for 16 years. I have served on the Iowa Center for Agricultural Safety and Health, which is called ICASH, Advisory Board, and various other community and school-related boards and committees. I believe that my experience as a lifelong Washington County resident, as well as having children in the public schools, owning farms, and operating a family farm business, make me uniquely qualified to represent my district. I am the people I will represent. I, their problems and concerns are, are my problems and concerns. And on the same level, their hopes and dreams are my hopes and dreams. And we will celebrate success together. Rural Iowa is unique, and I know and appreciate how special it is and how blessed we are to live here. All of these things together make me the perfect choice for representing District 92. Thank you, Heather. All right. We're going to go on down the line here. So Eileen, same question to you, and we'll continue down the line. What do you believe are your qualifications for the office you are seeking? And if you could introduce yourself as well. I'm Eileen Barron, and as you know, I'm running for Iowa House of Representatives in District 92. And I like to tell people it's 
eight townships in the southern part of Johnson County and all of Washington County. My husband, Bill, and I, and our son, uh, my husband and I have been married for 43 years. Um, we moved to Kelowna in 2000. And my basic qualifications are that I am over 21 and I have lived in the district for this length of time. Um, I think six months is a requirement, so I think I fulfill that. Um, we moved to Kelowna, and so I'm a 22-year Kelowna resident. Um, I have been um, over 40 years uh, in a career that, in, uh, retired from an over 40-year career that includes graphic art, writing, and editing. Um, I have had a lifelong commitment to service. My first job was as a candy striper in a hospital and um, volunteering the hospital where I was born in St. Paul, actually. And I served in my church community with my time and talents for many years. After retirement, I volunteered with Table to Table, an organization that retrieves food from that would otherwise be wasted from grocery stores and other suppliers and delivers it to uh, food banks and food shelters. And I view this candidacy as an opportunity to continue in my service to others. Um, I feel that I'm qualified um, because of the basic qualifications, but I think that the people of the district also appreciate Education, I've been, I have a bachelor's degree in English literature from the University of Minnesota. And um, my writing and editing experience, I think, makes me qualified to read a bill, to read it carefully. In my editing experience, I had to be sharp and catch um, anomalies or um, things that needed to be changed or fixed. And I also needed to continue to um, continue with the uh, writer's voice and project that. So I think being someone who can, um, who can convey the voice of the people in this district is something that qualifies me to represent you. Um, and I hope you'll see it the same way because I want to represent and listen to the people in the district. Thank you. John? Can everybody hear me okay? Should I touch the microphone? <laughs> How about now? Can you hear me any better? No. Testing. Test, test, one, two, test, test. Do you want me to hold that? Like, I think it should stay. No. How about that? How about now? Can you hear me now? Is that any better? No. no. I don't. So I want you to twist it towards you and can see I, if. Can I just grab it? Yeah. Okay. Is this any better? Oh, this. 
it oh wait it's not even on how about now there it wasn't on i might put this back sorry i'm so sorry this is real live <laughs> real people here, i know so. so sorry about that uh, good evening, everybody, and I wanted to take this time to thank the Washington Chamber for inviting us here to have this uh, forum tonight. This is a great opportunity for us to all be here and, and let our voices be heard. Uh, first of all, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Dawn Driscoll. Uh, I'm from Williamsburg, and I farm alongside with my husband, and I have three high school-age kids myself. I have Andy is a senior, I have a junior is Aaron, and Erica is a freshman. So a little bit about my qualifications, um, starting way back, uh, we will go. I grew up on a farm and something that my father used to tell me when we were growing up is that we might not have the fanciest equipment the best cattle or the best hogs but something that was so important to him is that we will never be outworked and this mentality has stuck with me and this quality sticks with me in everything and anything that i do as well as raising my kids whether it's raising cattle or campaigning or working to improve the lives of iowans i will always work i will always work hard I'm a sixth generation farmer raising a purebred Angus cow calf herd with my husband Joe and row crop, a row crop farm with my, alongside my three kids. I've been proud to serve as the Iowa County Farm Bureau President for several years and I've been an active volunteer in my community and schools for several years and especially in anything where agriculture is concerned. I have been the chair of the Ag in the Classroom program in Iowa County, which I feel like is so important to be able to share with students about agriculture and where their food comes from. I've been a 4-H community leader and I'm still a recruiter to this day in the ag industry. I know that I am a strong, a strong voice for, Iowa's, for Iowans in the Senate and will stand up for families who need relief and common sense solutions. And I will always support policies that bring opportunities and growth to our communities across the state. Something else that is so important to me is the ability to listen. I feel like I do an amazing job at listening to what our constituents and Iowans need. Did my mic die? Yes. Our, our timekeeper, because okay. the, the two minutes, so if you have okay. a few final remarks, um, I don't, don't want to cut you off. The only thing I was also going to say is in the Senate, the committees that I've been on are the Labor Committee, the Ag Committee, uh, the Transportation Committee, Local Government, and I vice chaired the Natural Resource Committee. Thank you, Don. Kevin? I'm going to... Well, thank you to the chamber. I'm uh, State Senator Kevin Kinney. I serve uh, currently in Senate District 39, and we were redistrict uh, into Senate District 46. Well, that is why Dawn and I are both incumbents here today. Uh, what do I believe my qualifications are? Uh, I have ran our family's Century Farm uh, since I've been 18 years old. Uh, I have served 
eight years in the state senate. I've been on the Judiciary Committee as the ranking member. I have been on the Agriculture Committee as ranking member, Ethics Committee, and uh, uh, Ag and Natural Resources Budget Sub. I spent 30 years in law enforcement. Uh, I, in the end, was a lieutenant in charge of investigations at the Johnson County Sheriff's Office. I also was the commander of the Johnson County Drug Task Force, which encompassed Iowa and Washington counties. I spent nine years on the Clear Creek Amana School Board before getting into the legislature. And I, I think that with my experience and past history with uh, community activities and so forth, that it gives me a strong background to continue to serve as our state senator. Okay, um, audience here, I appreciate your uh, patience with us as we work through some of our audio um, problems here. I'm gonna, after this question, I'm gonna sneak on over and see if I can adjust the mic on the other table here. Um, I would also like to ask that, I know you, um, our candidates love to hear the applause and the appreciation, but we've had one question all the way through and um, lots to get through. So if you would uh, hold your applause towards the end, I would appreciate that. And we're gonna go um, back the other way here. So Kevin, I'm gonna have, have you start with this next one. What would you say you have achieved while you have been in office? And what do you plan to achieve if reelected? I think I've achieved a great deal of things, especially with being in the, the, the minority for six of the eight years. Uh, when I was elected, one of the biggest things that I wanted to do is work on how human trafficking cases were investigated and how human trafficking cases, uh, how the laws needed to be strengthened for those human trafficking cases. In uh, 2006, I worked the first human trafficking case ever prosecuted in the United States under federal statute in Iowa didn't have a law. We get, went to Des Moines. We were able to, the first year, bring in training for the Law Enforcement Academy, for the Attorney General's Office and prosecuting attorneys around the state along with non-governmental agencies. The second year, we then started the Office of Human Trafficking within the Department of Public Safety. Something else that, that, that I worked on was the industrial hemp, uh, to, to be able to grow industrial hemp here in the state of Iowa. That was something that uh, was done in a very bipartisan way. Senator Capuchion and I had our, the, the first interim committee uh, and we then uh, were able to get industrial hemp legalized here in the state of Iowa. To me, that's a, a, a way in which we also are going to grow the economic uh, impact for our rural communities by bringing in other, other uh, businesses here to the state. 
the other things is the older Iowa legislation, which the governor passed this last year, which was a bill that I first introduced approximately six years earlier when uh, we were in the, the majority. Uh, that bill continued to, to be worked on, and it was signed into law last year, which uh, protects older Iowans here in Iowa. Thank you. Don, same question to you. What would you say that you've achieved while you've been in office, and what do you plan to achieve if reelected? Sure, thank you. Um, while I've been only in office for two years, I feel like we've had a great two years. We've had historic income tax relief. We've eliminated the inheritance tax. We've, we've uh, done the Back the Blue program. Something that I was very excited to be a part of is uh, Secretary Mike Nag's Choose Iowa program, um, and the butcher bill as well along with the tax reform this coming session and and how i hope that we can help families deal with this record high inflation and the high costs encouraging growth and opportunities will be a priority for me inflation is the number one issue on the minds of people in this district and i want to make sure that we can address this pop this problem the best way we can at the state level i want to continue moving our state forward building on the successes that we've had over the last several years we want to ensure that the tax reform that we passed and implemented in future years, which will begin important for our families dealing with the record high inflation, and, and it is tough for our family budgets. Families are also dealing with the rising property tax rates, and controlling the growth of the property taxes will be a top priority as well. Continuing to support the family farm, or continuing to support farmers in the agriculture industry is almost a constant, and it's a constant attack by the radical left, and it won't, and it won't go away. And I will always stand strong against those attacks. Thank you, Eileen. Same question. So, what I'd like to accomplish, um, I want to tell a little more personal story that when. My husband and I moved to Kelowna uh, from the Twin Cities. Our son moved with us, and he graduated from Mid Prairie High School. I have two. Uh, I, our son went on to graduate from the University of Iowa, and his wife did as well, and she has a master's degree. My husband went to work as an adjunct professor for Kirkwood Community College after his retirement. And all that to say that we're proud, and, and our son and daughter-in-law have been very successful. And all that to say, we're proud beneficiaries of Iowa public schools um, uh, at all levels. And I would 100% support keeping public funds in public schools so that Iowa's public schools can stay strong and uh, feed into our communities. The schools are the centerpiece of our communities. And Great schools, bringing Iowa's reputation back and ranking back to number one in education is imperative to draw people to this area to make them want to stay, um, young families, and to raise children and their future grandchildren here. <clears throat> so I also want to support uh, voting access, access to the polls, um, uh, protect people's votes, and defend the current uh, Iowa's current abortion laws, and probably more about that later. But I um, hope to be a force. And as far as public schools 
12 legislators uh, voted across party lines to keep public funds in public schools. And so I think there's a chance, um, it's a challenge uh, in my party, but I, it's a challenge I want to address and dig into. Heather? All right. I believe Iowa is in a great position and is moving in the right direction. I would love to build upon some of the policies already in place and enhance some programs to make them better for all Iowans. One of my priorities will be property tax reform. There was historic tax reform in Iowa last session, and I think we can build upon that. I believe that with conservative budgeting, balanced with tax reform, has created growth and opportunity in Iowa. Cutting taxes puts more of Iowans' hardworking money back in their own pockets. This is important to me, and I think property tax is the place that I would like to start. We need to make sure that parents' rights are protected when it comes to their children. We need to get our students out of failing schools. We are blessed locally with great schools, but that is not the case for the whole state. As a mother, I have compassion for families who wake up every day and are stuck sending their child to a school that is not um, meeting their needs and is by all standards failing them. This does affect us all, and as your legislator, I will work hard to hold the Department of Education accountable. In no other business would you be allowed to fail year after year after year and not change. If that means we need to flip the script, rewrite the failing model, and make sure that all of Iowa schools are offering an education that is not only competitive, but is superior for both students and teachers, and is worthy of our investment, we will. I hear all the time across all industries we don't have enough skilled workers in the workforce. I will build upon workplace and work programs such as Future Ready Iowa and partner with local programs such as the Student Build Homes. They are key to teaching our youth about the trades at an early age. Another emphasis would be mental health. We are in a crisis and we must take action to help our families, our children, and those affected by mental illness and addiction. A priority for me would be to build upon the children's mental health system that the governor and legislature created a few years ago. And these would be just a few of my priorities going into the Iowa legislature. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Heather. Okay, we're going to transition here to the intermission. I've got a lot of great questions that we've received from our audience. So at this time, some of the chamber volunteers are going to go through the audience and collect any questions that you may have written on a note card. And, um, and then but during this time here, I'd like to introduce our Washington County Auditor, Dan Widmer, who can tell us a little bit more about what to expect here next week for voting. Just one of these? You have to go all three of them. Thank you for this opportunity, and I'll keep my comments brief. Uh, first of all, as many of you know, there are basically three options that uh, voters have in order to cast their votes for the election. Now, one of those has already gone by the wayside, and that would be absentee by mail. In other words, it's too late for us to mail a ballot to you. Now, if you have received an absentee ballot, you have a couple of ways of returning it. Uh, most people just send it back to us by way of the mail, and some people are actually dropping it off in person. Either way is fine. If you have received an absentee ballot in the mail, just know and be aware that we have to have it back no later than Tuesday evening at 8 o'clock on election night when the polls close. So we need to have it back one way or the other. 
And if it's uh, Saturday or Monday and you haven't mailed it back yet, you may just want to hang on to it and, uh, and drop it off sometime before Tuesday evening at 8 o'clock. Now, that's one of the options. The other, another option is to vote absentee in person. And we have had a number of people coming to the auditor's office and, uh, and voting in person. And that's quite easy to do. Uh, we ask that you bring a, a form of identification along. And for a good, good share of the population, that's simply a, a, a current driver's license. So you can do that. And I will just add that uh, to make it easier, the auditor's office will be open this coming Saturday for people that want to come in and vote in person at the, at the auditor's office. We'll be open on Saturday from 9 in the morning until 5 in the afternoon. So if that works out for your schedule, that's fantastic. We'll be there. Uh, absentee voting in person ends on Monday at, uh, at 5 o'clock. And so uh, if you wait until after that, you'll need to go to the polls on election day. Polls open at, uh, at 7 in the morning, and they will close promptly, and I emphasize promptly, at 8 o'clock Tuesday evening. So keep that in mind. And the only other thing I, I encourage you to do is uh, check and see where you need to go to vote. Uh, and, and don't wait until 7.30, quarter till 8 on Tuesday evening because you might find out that you have a new polling place. We do have some new polling places, and uh, uh, I just want folks to be aware of that. So uh, uh, Westchester is no longer a polling place. Uh, the courthouse downstairs, that's no longer a polling place. Uh, we have some new polling places. One is at... Uh, in Richmond, and uh, there's, 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 there's a couple of new ones as well. So don't hesitate to, to contact. Uh, you can call the auditor's office at 653-7717 if you want to check on your polling place. We can look it up and, and tell you. And there's also uh, that information is available on the Washington County website under elections. And you can also go to the Iowa Secretary of State's website and you put in your address and it will in turn tell you where you need to be on Tuesday in order to cast your vote at the polls. So that is really all that I have other than to say I will be around and if people have questions um, I'll do my best to, uh, to answer those questions. If I don't have the answer I'll get your name and number and call you when I do have the answer. So, uh, but yeah, don't don't hesitate to reach out. I'll stick around. So, uh, anyway, that's really uh, really all that I have to say.
Thanks. Okay, everyone, welcome back. Thank you for your patience and thank you for your questions. Okay, and these questions here um, have been submitted to us either from the crowd or prior to the event. We have done our best to ask the questions that we've received, uh, the, most, uh, the most popular questions and concerns facing our community, and then we've tried to frame the question so that it could be relevant for all of our candidates. Okay. So we're going to begin with the first question, and Dawn, if you would start us off here, I would appreciate it. Legislators work on a wide range of issues throughout their term, but some hold more personal importance than others. If elected, what would be your number one legislative priority? Um, this session, this year, the number one priority, is it not working? It's cutting in and out, I apologize. Is it this one? The middle one. I'll move it back. Is that better? No. What would you like me to do? Try to pull it closer. <laughs> okay. How, is that any better? Okay. Uh, the number one issue this year that I think that we need to focus on um, would be combating the record high inflation. Um, I think that it would be a really good idea this year to focus on property tax, um, some property tax reform in the state. Thank you. Okay, we're going to head towards Eileen here next. So this was a long one. So legislators work on a wide range of issues throughout their term, but some hold more personal importance than others. If elected, what would be your number one legislative priority? As I've said throughout my campaign, uh, my number one is uh, keeping public funds in public schools. And along with that is uh, uh, fully funding schools. Along with that is raising teacher pay to come up to cost of living. It hasn't come up in quite a long time, and teachers are frustrated, and uh, some are quitting. And it's critical that we, uh, to the quality of our schools, the teachers are paid what they're worth, teachers and staff are paid what they're worth, and what their experience and education makes them deserving of, and um, also give them a seat at the, at the table. Um, schools are, the, as I said, the centerpiece of our rural communities, and Funding them and making sure it's a hospitable environment for teachers is of utmost importance. Thank you. Heather? Um, well, as a mother to my three young children who um, currently go to public school, my um, probably my priority is going to be in education, and it is going to be in protecting parents' rights in their education choices. Thank you. And all the way back here to Kevin, please. One of the things that, uh, through my career in law enforcement and, and so forth, one of the, the things that I have found that I think that really needs to be corrected is we've extended the statute of limitations criminally for sexual abuse. That has never been expanded on the civil side. We need to expand the civil 
statute of limitations for someone that has been sexually abused to be able to come back and and be able to have their accuser held accountable for assaulting them. Thank you. All right, I'm going to go right back to the row here. Um, everybody gets a chance to add anything else for 30 seconds. Is there anything any of you would like to add to that question? Okay, thank you. All right, another question that we received uh, a lot um, of, of response on is um, the, the recent changes with the abortion law. So with Roe... With Roe overturned, state legislators have been tasked with determining the availability of abortion for their residents. If elected, what parameters would you use to determine the legality of abortion care, and how do you think these parameters should be enforced? And Eileen, I'm going to start with you on this one, please. Um, a majority of the U.S. of U.S. citizens, a majority of Iowans, have from over many, many years, approved and lived with the um, Roe v. Wade-style guidelines and Iowa's guidelines, um, I believe 20 weeks uh, with certain restrictions, uh, with few restrictions, and then beyond that, um, with exceptions. And it's been something we've agreed on, and it has at some points been called settled law, and so um, I would support that those guidelines, and I think it's important for health care. I think it's important for, um, uh, it won't, I, I, I don't believe that criminalizing abortion will reduce abortion. I don't champion the procedure. I feel like it's a tough and agonizing decision for women, and, um, but I think to preserve health and keep complication, if there are complications, to keep that um, something that a woman can deal with with her healthcare professional. So, um, as I said, I, I support Iowa's current guidelines and laws, and I would like to um, maintain them and not make them more restrictive. Thank you. Thank you. Same question to you, Heather. Um, right now, the what was passed is the heartbeat bill is being um, challenged or you know, maybe brought back from the courts. I'm not quite sure where it stands right now. Um, I believe life starts at conception. And the heartbeat bill was a um, bill that was passed that, believe, that said that um, heartbeats start at six weeks. Um, and it also has exemptions for rape, incest, and life of the mother. I believe that um, that is the direction that our state um, should go. I believe that Roe versus Wade being overturned only was a benefit to the states because it allows you to speak for the people in your state. I don't believe that the people in Iowa believe that um, abortion up until birth is, a, is something that should happen. I don't believe that people in Iowa believe that abortion after birth is actual abortion. Um, I, I feel like we, we need to represent the people of our state and have them elect the people that will um, put forward the values and beliefs that they would like. And I think the heartbeat bill was a compromise that does that. Thank you, Heather. I'm back around here to Kevin. Same question. Do you need me to repeat anything? No, I, 
This one's kind of uh, different to me because I've been all over the place on this because when I went to the sheriff's office, I, at that time, believed that uh, I did not believe in, in, in abortion. What, what I had seen through my career was sitting on the edge of a hospital bed with a 13-year-old that had been sexually abused and was in there reporting with their parents. At that time, it had been six or seven weeks. They did not, and they were pregnant, and I was sitting there with the victim, and I was not going to re-victimize a survivor of sexual assault by making a decision. I don't think that that's my decision to be made. I did vote for the 20-week abortion uh, bill a few years ago, coming from 26 weeks, because I thought it was reasonable. But when you're, when you're taking all the exceptions out and so forth, I do not feel that shortening our 20-week abortion uh, law makes sense here in Iowa. Thank you. And then right up here to, to Don. Thank you. Um, I am a pro-life candidate who will support pro-life policies in the Iowa Senate. And I look forward to some conclusion from the Iowa courts regarding the heartbeat bill. I wasn't in elected into office at that time, but I would have supported that. And I support the current law that is being considered by the Iowa courts to protecting the life at the sounds of protecting life at the sound of heartbeat with the exceptions for rape, incest, and the life of the mother. And I think it's really important that we remember that we need to support, you know, the maternal health side as well. Thank you. Okay. Would any candidates like to add anything? Okay. Um, it's been said in other um, venues and other um, forums and other areas that the late-term abortion question is not happening. Um, it's, it's something that's um, immoral. Late-term abortion is immoral, and it is not being allowed. If, if it were happening, medical boards would not would speak up, and I don't hear about that. So I just think that I would like it to be said in this forum that I don't agree that that's a uh, blockage to um, changing Iowa's abortion laws. Thank you. Anyone else? Too. Along with that, I believe that we need to focus on um, making adoption uh, more readily available to people. I, there's a lot of people my age that aren't able to have children and would love to have children, and there are a lot of barriers to adoption in Iowa, and so I think that would be something we could focus on as well. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, before we get to the next question, I, I am noticing that the mics that are projected to the audience and the PA are going in and out for you guys a little bit. If you are experiencing that, your center mic is the one that's here for the audience. You are welcome to take that out and you can hold it directly in front of you if you're experiencing that. <laughs> and thank you everyone for your patience as we work through all of the all of the things that just um, surprise us. 
Okay, another question that we received in large quantity focused on education. SSA funding is a is the best single indicator of education funding in Iowa because it governs how much schools can spend on classrooms, staff, and programs. It has been trending down for several years now. What do you think the state should do or avoid in the next term to ensure the best education for our students? And I'm gonna start here with Kevin. All right, I think that we need to look at restoring some of the spending that for SSA. We had 84 schools that did not receive any additional spending authority last year because their enrollments had come down and that uh, those 84 schools lost enrollment. SSA is, uh, is on a per pupil of spending authority. And that's one of the things that uh, people don't realize in rural Iowa, they're losing students, so they're getting less and less money every year. Uh, so we, we've got to try to level that out. One of the ways you can do it is having higher SSA spending. Um, it has been at an all-time low, and I think that we need to invest in education. Education is, is the one thing that uh, I think will get our kids out of poverty. It makes it an equal playing field for all students. And uh, uh, I think that we're going to have to uh, look at uh, raising our supplemental state aid. Thank you. I'm going to change it up here. I'm going to go around here to Heather, if you don't mind. Um, you know, I don't understand exactly how schools' budgets break down. I've talked to our school board and I'm not even sure that the school board people actually know how the budgets break down. I feel like it's fully funded. I feel like there's money there. They're just um, locked into spending it on certain things. So um, I think breaking down that, maybe taking it apart, and I said earlier that maybe we need to flip the script on education and figure out different ways of doing uh, more with our dollars. Uh, something I get from a lot of our um, people in Washington from knocking doors is they have a retirement program for their teachers. And so we're retiring teachers while having a teacher shortage. And I get a question about that all the time. Why are they doing that? And they say that they save money by retiring great teachers and that we're losing that knowledge in the classroom. So I think we need to ask a question. Why is that beneficial? And why are we saving money by retiring great teachers? And all of that knowledge and classroom um, uh, management that, they, that the younger teachers can learn from. Um, and, you know, I just think we need to redo the, the old ways and come up with something new. Thank you. Same question, Eileen. Um, as I've said before, I believe in fully funding our schools and with budget surpluses at the state level. Um, you might want to pick that it up. It seems, uh, take it out. Okay. Sorry. With budget surpluses taking place at the state level, um, it seems that we could invest more in schools. And um, just like at home, when you put priority on, when you make your home budget, you 
what's your priority on what's more, most important. And I think, um, I think about, uh, you know, South Dakota has the Black Hills and um, where I'm from, Minnesota has 10,000 lakes and Iowa has been number one in education. And I think making that a priority with our dollars when, when budgeting uh, takes place is critical to Iowa. Um, teacher and, and um, staff pay, school funding, any way we can do that to um, shore up our schools, I'm in favor of. Thank you. Don? I think that it's important that uh, people know that around 52 or 54% of our state's budget is allocated towards education. And I am focused on our students and how we can improve the outcomes for them and prepare them for success in, this in the future. We should be considering all options when it comes to Iowa's education and the, for the students and giving parents a strong voice in their children's education and ensuring the quality of education for all students. Um, I have supported in the past addressing these inequities in education for funding for rural schools so that way more money is addressed to their higher costs for like for example for their high costs of transportation to the school. Um, I'm proud to be part of a caucus that has yet to cut uh, education in the last several years and proud over the last couple of years that we've been in there to support hundreds of millions of dollars, dollars into public schools. And what we are doing is um, we are raising um, Iowa's greatest asset, which is our students and making them stronger. Thank you. Would any candidate like to add anything? We each have 30 seconds. Okay, thank you. My next question here focuses on taxes and budget. Fiscally conservative policy has left Iowa with a $2 billion budget surplus, but increasing tax cuts, increasing tax cuts risks shrinking the state revenue. How should the state of Iowa ensure it avoids a budget shortfall? And I need to pick a candidate, don't I? Don, would you start us off, please? Um, the record budget surplus is the result of our sustainable and budgeting spending here in, in Iowa. It shows that the policies and the principles that I continue to support. I think that uh, Washington, D.C. could learn a lot from the fiscal, fiscal discipline that we show here in Iowa. This record surplus means that we will continue to look at additional tax relief for Iowa's hardworking families and getting this overpayment of taxes back to giving Iowans back more money in their back pockets and more more in support and ensuring that their their family budget is supported not not the government thank you we're going to move towards Kevin here uh, I believe that we need to continue to work on trying to save money for the state of Iowa but there's also the ability to fund services here in Iowa. Our mental health has been, uh, funding has been cut. Our education budget has been cut. Our law enforcement budget has been cut. We, we are tr continually trying to make smaller government, which is fine. We have to be fiscally responsible. That's one nice thing in Iowa. 
in our Constitution, you have to come in with a balanced budget. You don't have a choice. I wish the federal government could look at the, some of that, too. But one of, the, one of the things is we need to continue to look at our districts. I was one of two Democrats that came in and, and voted for the tax cuts for pensions for farmers. And I, I think it matches, and what I was looking at was our district, the amount of farmers and uh, the amount of people that, that it affects with the pensions in our state, or in our district here. Uh, I, I, I feel that we need to be fiscally responsible with our money, but we just need to maybe have different priorities also. Thank you. Heather. So I am a fiscal conservative. Is that loud? Seems really loud. And when I look at making purchases, I am a want versus need type of person. This drives my kids crazy, but there are many things that we want. And like I may want a new car or my husband may want a new tractor, but it might not be physically responsible for us to purchase it. So what I believe is that we need to enjoy the good times and plan for the bad. And that is what business owners do. We can make it through this. If, so it's important for a state legislator to know and practice this because some think it's an open checkbook. And if there's money there, they just want to spend, spend, spend. And that's not fiscally responsible. So everything is a cycle, right? It goes up and it goes down. And if you're fiscally responsible and you, when it's good times, then you can make it through the bad times. And I think that that's something that our legislators need to know, and that's something the way that it should be the way that our state is governed. Like, do good during the good times, save some money, and then when those bad times happen, we will be set as a state to make it through that until the next, until the cycle goes back up. Eileen? Could you repeat the question? Sure can. Fiscally conservative policy has left Iowa with a $2 billion budget surplus, but increasing tax cuts risk shrinking state revenue. How should the state of Iowa ensure it avoids a budget shortfall? So as the budget, as the um, budget surplus is spent down, which I believe is the plan, I also believe that ta the tax um, taxes and how the tax programs function should not burden, not overly burden low income, not overly burden middle class, make it hospitable not just to an older population but a younger population because those are ones that we want to attract to Iowa and. Um, so fair um, tax code, and in addition, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, <coughs> oh, um, programs that Iowa enacts and looks at, costs and benefits should be looked at. What is it? What are the benefits, and does the cost justify the benefit, and does the cost um, does the benefit make the cost worthwhile? Thank you. Okay, would anybody like to add anything to that question? Okay. 
We have one minute remaining here. And so I'm going to end with our, our final question. Can you tell me why you are a Democrat or why you are a Republican and how you will work to support both the constituents who support you or those who do not? And I believe Heather is up on my rotation. Perfect. Okay, so I became a Republican. I'm pretty sure I was born a Republican, but Reagan was my first um, president that I remember. And he was elected when I was 10 years old. And I can remember sitting in my parents' bedroom, watching it on the little TV, um, watching when he got elected. And ever since then, um, I have been a strong conservative. I believe in traditional values. Um, I believe in supply-side economics. I believe that um, America's best days are before her. I believe that Iowa's best days are before her. The best is yet to come. Um, I am a Republican because of Ronald Reagan. And then as I got older, then became a Republican, a stronger Republican because of um, a gentleman on the radio named Rush Limbaugh. And my family and my kids will tell you all I listen to is talk radio. So I grew up listening to WCCO, talk radio. and. Um, so I believe that Republicans are the party that believe in hope, we believe in future, and we believe that um, being fiscally responsible is something that um, is our duty, and that, um, that our rights come from God, and it is government, government's responsibility to protect those rights. Thank you. Eileen. Same question for you. I spent most of my life as an independent. However, I did vote on the Democratic side. Um, in 2020, I registered as a Democrat because I felt that there was a level of caring, a level of integrity, and a level of civility that I wanted to align with. Thank you. Don, same question for you, please. Sure. I have also been a lifelong Republican. My family was, and I am a Republican and proud of it. I believe in less government. I'm a, I'm a pro-life, and I'm a conservative, and I think that is so important. And I also believe in the Second Amendment, and I think that that's important. Thank you. We're getting a strong finish for everybody here. Kevin? I have been a Democrat my entire life. It uh, is one of the things that uh, I have always felt that the Democrats have always looked out for the small guy. Uh, do I have, do I have some Republican tendencies? I do. Uh, my wife will tell you, I don't like spending money. Uh, it, it's one of the things that, that you have to live within your budget, but you can also treat people with uh, dignity. And a lot of that comes from me, from working with crime victims, uh, victims of domestic violence, uh, and, and those types of programs that are there to help pr protect people. Thank you.
we're going to do some closing remarks here, but is there anyone that would like to add anything to that question? Yeah, go ahead, Heather. And it's real simple. I, I believe that Republicans, we get a bad rap sometimes about being not compassionate and not caring. But um, if you're a Republican, you believe that giving a, a hand up is better than a handout. Anyone else? Go ahead, Eileen. Um, I've lived in, in some ways a privileged life, and I've had help from family and um, to get started and to maintain our, our way of life. And um, that isn't true of everyone. And I feel that there are people who are underprivileged who don't have the same privileges I did. Healthcare, when you get older, it's a part-time job. And it, having a good job, being able to be productive in society, a lot depends on health. A lot depends on those helps that people can get. And so that's why I say I care, and that's why I say, um, that's why I see Dem Democrats helping people as a positive. Thank you. Kevin or Don, anything else to that question? Okay. So I will let you know that we did receive many questions that I was not able to ask um, questions about gun rights, child care, our election procedure, mental health, health care Medicaid, lots of great questions, and unfortunately we just ran out of time. But at the conclusion of this event, we are transitioning to a more informal mixer. We have uh, chips and salsa provided by Lebowski's. We have the candidates who are um, running on the election unopposed who will be here to meet and greet them. And for those of you who are here on that ballot, this is your notification to start making your way up to the front because after the closing remarks, I'd like to introduce you to the crowd so that people can recognize and connect a face to a name. So I encourage you all to stick around and engage in some meaningful conversations. But to close tonight's candidate forum, I would just like to ask each candidate to give us one minute of closing remarks and um, and I'm assuming ask for the public's vote. Um, Kevin, we're going to start with you, and then we'll just go all the way down the line. I am asking you for your, your vote and your support. I think that uh, I have been very accessible to the people of Washington County and throughout our district. I have worked across the party lines getting legislation passed for the benefit of the residents of Washington County. Uh, an example of, of that is the recycling center here in town. I was going to the forums and found out how important and how uh, desperate they were in need of money. 
I was the only Democrat that came across the, the aisle and voted to uh, extend the funding for the, those redemption centers. Is it the bill I wanted? No, but it, it is a compromise. You have to learn to compromise, and I think that uh, in politics, we need to do a better job of learning how to do that. Uh, somewhere in the middle, we will we, we'll get the best policy. I ask for your vote, and thank you, the league, or the chamber, not the league, the chamber, for uh, having this forum. Don? I have proudly served in the Iowa Senate for the last two years. In my first year, we passed over a billion dollars in tax relief, and over the next several years, including property and income tax relief. We have eliminated the inheritance tax and the tax relief for small businesses. We have also made sure that Iowa students have been had the option to be in the classroom full time, and we have secured the vulnerabilities in Iowa's elections, election laws, and put into place protection for law enforcement officers on the job. We've held cities accountable for allowing rioting and increased penalties for the rioters causing property damage or harm. My second year in the Senate also included major bills to help improve our state as we're passing elimination regulations and promoting career opportunities in Iowa and getting Iowans back to work faster and protecting girls' sports and addressing the child care challenges in Iowa and helping families find affordable care when they need it. I've also helped deliver the historic tax reform to grow Iowa and strengthen our future enacting a flat tax and eliminating taxes on re retirement income and providing a first-time pension exemption for farmers. I am proud of the accomplish that we've made, accomplishments we've made over the last two years, but I know that there is more we can do. In the Senate, I want to keep cutting taxes and eliminating waste from the budget and putting more money back into your pockets. And I want to stand up for Iowa's agriculture industry and our state's hardworking farmers and making sure that they have the support they need at the Capitol. So I'm asking you for your vote. Thank you, Don. Eileen, please. Those mics are confusing, aren't they? I ran, I decided to run for office because there was one uh, candidate unopposed on the ballot, and I believe in democracy. I stepped out of my comfort zone, out of retirement, to attempt to be the representative that I want for this district. When I've knocked on doors, I've talked to all sorts of people, all, all parties. Um, someone will say, um, I'll say, what are your concerns? And they'll talk about the president. They'll talk about uh, national issues. And I'll say, do you know what's happening locally? And then we have a conversation. I want to be, I, I believe I'm a candidate who will listen to all parties, who will, who will advocate for majority held positions and um, listen to the people in my district. I want to thank the chamber for having this and I really appreciate all of your attention and being involved in the democratic process. I humbly ask for your vote. Thank you, Eileen. And Heather, please. All right. I would like to see real property tax reform. I would like to see great improvement in our schools and for our teachers to begin to love their profession again. I would like to see pro-business policies implemented to help bring more business to the state while supporting and recognizing the amazing businesses that are already here. 
I would love to see more public-private partnerships. I think there's great buy-in, um, and they're valuable because there's great buy-in and support from all parties. I would like to see an expansion of our renewable fuels like ethanol and biodiesel and support our locally grown and made products. I would love to see our vet diagnostic lab at Iowa State fully funded and work hand in hand with the Department of Agriculture on continuing and supporting the many water quality programs they have going. I want for all Iowans to feel as blessed as I do to be Iowan and to believe truly, like truly believe that the best is yet to come. And I want to thank the chamber as well. Thank you, Michelle, for the last minute um, maneuvering and Lebowski's for hosting this tonight. And I too, and my family, would love to have your vote on November 8th. Thank you. All right, thank you everyone for joining us for the Washington Chambers Candidate Forum. Um, I appreciate all of you for taking time out of your afternoon and evening to join us. I thank our city, our government, economic development partners, KCII Radio, the Southeast Iowa Union for helping to provide coverage, and our business members for their support. At this point, we will transition into the candidate mixer, which is just going to be um, casual dialogue as you are able to talk with those um, other um, candidates who are on the ballot and up for uh, ele election in one week. And so if I could have um, all of you guys here come up to the front, I'm going to take the mic and we are going to let you introduce yourselves to our, our community here and um, tell them what you're running for so they can talk to you. Okay. Huh? 